0: Welcome back to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock.
1: And I am Jens Nelson.
0: I literally almost said, I'm Jens Nelson, and I have no idea why. <laughs> that
1: would have been gold, dude. Just confuse well,
0: people. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Thank you for joining us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ's church. So today's episode was kind of born out of a little um, seed that's been kind of planted in the back of my mind for a while. I really like having these sorts of episodes where we kind of like pose, pitch a question. One of us pitches a question to the other, um, or one of us brings, you know, an idea like way back. I did an episode on Zion and sort of looking at that throughout scripture. That was a good one. And well, no, I don't know about that. Well, it's, it's been a while since I listened to it. but, um, uh, or when we had, uh, oh my gosh, coming up on a year, the uh, episode about the descent, Ooh. um, which was a similar thing where where you had done a bunch of research and a bunch of thinking and kind of brought that to it. But then also where we get to kind of pitch each other ideas or pitch each other questions. And really these come from something that we talk about all the time, that we bring up all the time, and that's differences in terms of theology, in terms of practice. Uh, uh, what's the intro say? Diversity amongst our unity, you know, uh, something that we talk about a lot and we, we do a lot of things that are sort of related to pursuing unity while recognizing diversity and one of those i think that is the most interesting to me is when we kind of come together or or you know come to the table so to speak around an idea that we actually have some diversity on because it's it's important and necessary and enlightening and interesting to sort of think through diversity theological um, diversity especially in a in a sort of conceptual or abstract sense. Like, it's important that we have conversations about, okay, so what do we do with theological diversity? But ultimately, the best way to figure out what to do with theological diversity is to actually talk to people who you disagree with, which is literally everyone on something. If you talk to someone long enough, you'll find something that you don't agree 100% on. But especially when you have friends from different theological traditions, it's not hard to find practices doctrines, maybe emphases that are different or expressed differently, people from different religions, people from different parts of the world, all that kind of stuff, you know, that's kind of obvious, I don't need to rehash or hash through all that, but I thought of a question that I was really uh, interested in hearing your take on, recognizing that you are one person, and this is, you know, two dudes chatting through the internet on a podcast, so that's that should explain all of the weight that you ought to give to this conversation. But I think it's an interesting topic. You seemed either interested or at least willing to humor me. So um, I will give a little bit of background and then ask the question and just kind of let you roll with it, and we'll see how the conversation goes. But I recently, at the beginning of the year, read a book that was on um, basically on baptism. It was a book called The Second Adam and the New Birth. And it was by um, a guy named M.F. Sadler, who was a nineteenth-century English uh, Anglican theologian and and priest and writer. And it, it it had been on it's the book has been on my list for a long time. I finally got to it, and it was a really exciting, engaging, uh, and really compelling. Um, Basic, basically theology of baptism. It, it was sort of a a walk through uh, what it means to be baptized. He was putting forward a really uh, exciting um, and interesting sort of thesis and then defending it scripturally and responding to objections. And, and we might get into some of that at a later episode, some of the, th- the things that I gleaned from that book. But um, one of the sort of side... You know, comment, not side comments, but like one of the smaller chapters was about the the appropriateness of of infant baptism. And um, one of the things that he said raised sort of this question in the back of my mind that I want to pitch to someone who, um, in broad strokes, we would say is holds to a credo Baptist conviction. So not an infant baptism conviction. I think hope that's a fair way to characterize. Where, where you would stand on that specific issue. For sure. Um, so, the question is that I have, you know, two you sort of standing in for Credo Baptist. So, you know, everywhere, all, Credo, every
1: single one. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Credo Baptist listeners, send all your hate mail to doxologypodcast at gmail.com yeah. and tell Jens why he's wrong, mm-hmm. uh, even though you agree with him. So, the question is. Um, in, in trying to make it as succinct as possible, as I've blathered on for a long time, can a credo-baptist, can someone who holds to believer's baptism, who does not baptize infants, trying to be as <laughs> broad as possible, uh, how, can a credo-baptist treat their child as a Christian? And my sort of follow-ups are, if so, on what basis, and if not... Then what is the alternative? How do you treat a child? Mm. So we don't need to go into those follow-ups right away. The basic question is, and 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 this might be a little broad. I don't know how you took it in terms of your thinking through it. So I'm I'm wide open. But can you, if you had a human child, can you treat them as a Christian before they get old enough to uh, make a profession of faith and be baptized themselves?
1: Ah, okay. So that you you had a caveat that is not written down on this document. I was going to be real snarky and be like, that's fair. Because <laughs> <laughs> like the the prep that you gave me here, uh, my snarky answer was going to be yes, if they've made a profession of faith. No, if they haven't. Um, okay. So that's, but now we got to get into the nuance. That's like, you got to get into the nitty gritty of this. And um, truthfully, uh, baptism is one of those things that historically, I have been more of a believer's, uh, baptism type of of person i worked at first baptist church it's a you know obviously the word baptist is in there so we believed in a uh, a believer's baptism and so of the many things that i've been persuaded by in recent years this is one where i've like kind of teetered on the edge i've 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 tried uh, both sides, so to speak, I I still, and maybe maybe you'll still convince me. I don't know because if if anybody is going to, it's probably going to be you, but I've, uh, I, I still have yet to sway over to your persuasion., um, I have a couple more hurdles that I'm not quite sure I'm I'm comfortable with yet. So to, to just very simply answer your question, can a credo Baptist treat their child as a Christian? Again, yes, if that child has made some sort of profession of faith. Um, and then I think the answer would have to be no if they haven't, because the 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 default is we believe in a believer's baptism. Somebody who has confessed uh, and put their faith in Christ, put their hope in Him, and and I recognize that whether or not that was a quote unquote genuine confession, I don't think it's our place to judge that. That's not a, a parent's job to judge. It's it's a um, I think in a sense, they, they can recognize the the fruits of the spirit in their child. They can recognize contrition and repentance and remorse and um, uh, an eagerness to follow the Lord. So I think in some sense, they can discern that like, yeah, perhaps this was a real profession. And so they, they, they baptize their child. And so a Credo Baptist can treat their child as a Christian, right? Um, on the other hand. Uh, I think I think if you you know for example if you have a child who <clears throat> uh, maybe is two or three and not quite to that point where they're able to make some sort of profession or confession of faith, uh, I think in some sense you you treat them as as though they were not a, a Christian, which I know is a a, a dark and maybe um, difficult topic. I mean I have a I have a coworker at work who who has a, a young child who's like eighteen months or so and has another one on the way. Um, So to think like, well, you know, how how do you look at that child who is yet to, they they can, you know, they're just learning to talk. They're just learning what it means to be a real human. And so they don't yet even really grasp, uh, you know, how to even go to the bathroom, let alone understand the infinite creator of the cosmos and his son who died for them on a cross 2000 years ago. Um, And so, yeah, that's, it's a, it's a, a difficult a difficult question a difficult conversation but i think it's one that's that's worth exploring and you you already mentioned this but we say it in our intro every week we 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 use that word intentionally that where we say that we strive for unity amongst our diversity that that word was intentional The, the word to strive it it uh, I think has connotations of like working diligently. It's not just a, a thing that happens like, oh, yeah, we're just going to have unity because we both say that we're Christians. But um, in some sense, there are conversations that are had. There are are difficult um, texts to wrestle through, uh, interpreting history and church history. And so, so, I mean, at least for me, that's sort of... Uh, <laughs> I guess that's where i sort of have to land is uh, those are my short answers yes and no um you know when you say if so on what basis again the the basis is a profession of faith and if not what is the alternative well the alternative is uh praying uh probably unceasingly for your child that they would get to a point where they could one day make such a profession and this is <laughs> This is a completely different conversation, but I I think it'd be a really interesting episode to do, but to talk about like what happens to babies who die, you know, six months old, uh, eight months, you know, that's, that might be a really good conversation because I have, I have, I have a lot of thoughts, (laughs) a lot of opinions, maybe some, maybe some scripture. Um, I mean, there's that passage where David seems to think that he's going to see his infant who died again. Um, and so perhaps there is a sense in which infants die and go to be with the Lord because they, you know, in his mercy, they didn't have the opportunity to even get to that point in their life. So that's a whole different conversation I think we should have. Um, so when we say what is the alternative, I, I th- that that plays a factor, at least for me, some of what I think about that uh, informs what, what I would say here. But I think what you have to say is that um, as a, as a person who would believe as a credo Baptist, uh, someone who believes in a profession of faith is made, um, and they are then baptized that, yeah, that that's, that is the prerequisite. That is the, the basis. And until that point, you, um, are not considered a Christian in the sense that you are a follower and disciple of Christ, even with, even if you live within a Christian home. So I don't know if you have any pushback, mm-hmm. any kickback. I'm sure I said stuff that you were expecting there. Maybe I don't know. What what are your thoughts?
0: No, I mean, I think that that A is a super helpful answer. Um like I I didn't I didn't think through my wording as carefully as as I should have. So, uh I didn't you know unfairly to you, I didn't write down a nuance that <laughs> that I had in mind uh, which is not fair at all. but um, but no, I think that's a really really helpful answer and it is it is part of what makes it helpful I think is it's it's um, it's an extremely simple answer like a straightforward answer like this basically you' it seems to me if I'm hearing you right like the answer like the short answer is well, it's the same as with anybody else right
1: uh, adult you know and t- teenager
0: yeah. whatever. So I think that I think that that makes a ton of sense, you know, like it, it because it, it, it all comes down. I mean, this is true for everybody. It all comes down to the same question. You know, it's it's what is your what is your uh, relationship to Christ and his church? You know, and and obviously um, different people are going to have different answers into sort of the different steps in the timeline of what that looks like. But but ultimately, that's the answer. So it makes sense that uh There's not a major difference between, like, based on, based on uh, numerical age or whatever. Um, So I definitely appreciate your answer for that reason. Um, And then I mean, no no pushback, but just another a question that came to mind. So uh, you know, keeping in mind the, you know, the lack of precision I had in my wording and (laughs) and the the possible nuances and stuff. Um, So I was. Uh, seven, when I made a profession of faith for the first time. Mm. And I have every, you know, you know, in terms of self reflection, I, I have every reason to believe that that was genuine, and that I grew in my knowledge and understanding after that, and, you know, have continued to, and hopefully will continue to forever, um, especially growing in knowledge of and love of God, not just knowledge. But um. so, uh, you know, I'm imagining we, we could set up some like uh, an imaginary family where like, there, there's, you know, a 12 a year old, like a seven year old, and like a two year old. And I don't have kids. So, you know, those of you that do correct me, if I'm, you know, kind of off on this, but I imagine that like, if a 12-year-old came to me and said, I believe that Jesus Christ is, is God and he died for my sins, like, I would kind of hear that similarly to, like, an adult, you know, like, in terms of the ability to understand that sentence, right? And the reason I'm talking about understanding is I'm assuming that a genuine profession of faith is predicated on the person cognitively understanding certain things not everything obviously because nobody understands everything but enough to be able to honestly say you know jesus died for me you know or or whatever and then you know like a seven-year-old like i was seven when i first understood when i I can first remember understanding the gospel and being like yeah i believe that you know seven's like really young you know like that that's a that's a small child um, but I do feel like I would see, like, if a two-year-old said something like that, like, I love Jesus or Jesus died for me, you know, I I can imagine toddlers who have, who have learned to speak but are still obviously, you know, babies in so many ways. Um, I can imagine a toddler, like, understanding that. And, you know, like, I've had conversations with toddlers before, you know, like, obviously very different conversations than I've had with seven year olds or than I've had with 12 year olds. Um, but like, you know, two, three years old, I don't think it's crazy to think like, to imagine a two or three year old, you know, coming up to you as their parent and saying like, you know, they probably wouldn't say, you know, I believe in the gospel. I want to be baptized, but they might say in a two or three year old version, uh, that they, that they love Jesus, that Jesus died for me, you know, and especially if they're like going to Sunday school, you know, like they're learning these things, even if they don't have all the, you know, language tools to express it. So what I'm asking is like, I'm assuming if a 12-year-old came to you and they made a profession of faith in a 12-year-old way, it'd be like, great, let's dunk them. And if a 7-year-old if a came to you and made a profession of faith in like a 7-year-old way, I would imagine the response would be like, great, let's dunk them. And then I'm imagining that as we get closer and closer to, you know, before being able to talk, there, I'm, in my head, I'm questioning, is there, like, a line, like, if a two-year-old said to you, like, I love Jesus, or Jesus died for me, would you dunk him,
1: you know? Are you asking me, or is this rhetorical?
0: Um, I guess both like I want to ask you specific like like actually ask you because what I'm really asking is what is a profession of faith Mm -hmm. right because because it seems it seems like what you said was that sort of the the I I don't want to put words in your mouth the prerequisite to baptism for a child Mm -hmm. so if a child Mm -hmm. has made a profession of faith and there's 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 every reason to believe it's genuine you know like like you said um, not that we can judge hearts, but we can be sensitive to fruits of the spirit, and, and can see, you know, whatever. Um, so I guess I'm, I'm, I'm wondering, like, is there? I don't know if we'd want to use language like age of account. Like, is there a certain age or a certain like not age as like a number, but like a a certain level of cognitive ability or um you know a certain level of independence in terms of their behavior like mm. like is there a line or is it is it could it in theory be a 2 year old getting baptized you know in pretend you know you're Jens head pastor of S- third baptist church or whatever <laughs> like no. um yeah, like no. like could could you could you this is very theoretical could you yeah. imagine you know in a baptist church baptizing a 2-year-old because that 2-year-old has expressed mm. what we would say is like faith in Christ.
1: So, okay, uh, my <laughs> I keep giving you really dumb answers, but my, my dumb answer is it depends. <laughs> so, uh I want to say it. I, I want to say it. it depends because um or I'm trying to think back even to like what's the youngest I've ever seen somebody get baptized? And I, I have to, I mean, I I, can't think, I mean, I've seen so many baptisms, I, I feel like I can't remember or recall, but I, I have to imagine that there at some point had been somebody who was three or four or five. I don't know about one or two. I mean, I've seen infant baptisms, that's different, but I'm talking about like profession of faith baptisms. Uh, I don't know for sure. I know the youngest person that I ever baptized was probably like eight maybe i when we did baptisms at first baptist I, I baptized a couple younger people um including a student um so it's so, okay per- personally when when i've been employed at churches or volunteered at churches or just been more involved in churches what takes place after a profession of faith is not a instantaneous baptism in the sense that they're baptized right then and right there. Um, I know that there might be some precedence for something like that in scripture. Um, you know, isn't there somebody who's like in a carriage being taken somewhere and they're like, where's the nearest, you know, watering hole? Let's go and get baptized. So I I, I have never experienced that sort of thing. It's been the type of so, the, the, the type of situation where somebody professes faith Confesses Christ as Lord and Savior, and there's almost like, not as rigorous as like a catechumen, like someone who's going to be preparing to be baptized. But uh, it, it's I've been a part of similar things where you either meet with a pastor or you meet with the youth pastor, and you guys talk about like, well, why do you why why have you made such a fa- uh, profession of faith? What do you believe about this or this or this? And it's almost like a a preparatory I don't want to say interview that makes it sound like. <laughs> Uh, not so good, but it's a it's a conversation that's had to be discernful, is that a word, to discern if a profession could be genuine. I mean, if you get somebody who comes in there and is just you just it's red flag after red, red flag, you might have the inclination to be like, okay, I, I think we should give this more time. Or if you've talked to that three year old or that four year old and you're like, wow, this is yeah, man, they, they are wise beyond their years and they've they've made this profession. They they know that Christ is their savior, they know that he that he's atoned for their sins, then perhaps then yeah, I, I would feel confident and comfortable uh dunking such a child. The the difficult thing, and we we you and I, we've had we've had baptism episodes. We've talked about baptism. This isn't a, a new topic by any by any stretch for us, but we've, we've had these conversations. I mean, I know literal adults in their teens, in their 20s, in their 30s who have made professions of faith, who have been baptized, who walked with the Lord for years and years and then made some sort of recant or they, they uh, walked away from their faith. And so what what do we make of that? Somebody who professed, was baptized, walked with the Lord, and then f- fell away. We even had an entire episode on what it looks like to fall away from the faith, um, and so man, w- this is where we're where you start to get into that whole realm of like we we aren't God, we can't judge the heart. What we can do is uh, pray, we can love our brothers and sisters, we can teach and exhort and tr- train all that we can and and do everything that we can um, with the hopes that a person will persevere to the end. But ultimately, we we cannot say, and so I think in in And my best answer, uh, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, all of the people on my side of the aisle here, but if you're a pastor who's in this position that Lucas has staged as a hypothetical, which maybe really isn't all that hypothetical for you, um, I I don't think you should have a a problem or uh, you should feel guilty about baptizing somebody who's so young. I mean, I think that there's... um, I think there's evidence even in scripture where people came to Jesus and, you know, he, Jesus even said like, don't turn these people away. Like they are the, 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 theirs is the kingdom of heaven. I mean, they're, they kids can understand these things as difficult as theology can be is I mean, we have, we're coming. This is, we haven't Lucas, Lucas, I just remembered. We did not talk about the fact that this is episode 200. This is our, two- I completely forgot. <laughs> this is our, our 200th episode. We've had 199 other episodes where we talked about all sorts of crazy theological things now a child a three-year-old i do not expect them to turn on the doxology podcast and suddenly just be vibing with the whole thing and agreeing with everything or even comprehending what the heck we're talking about half the time so in some sense the christian life is difficult theology is difficult to wrestle with and comprehend. On the other hand, the invitation of the gospel is a, a simple, and I'm using air quotes, a simple reality that even children, even those who maybe have mental deficiencies or um, whatever, I think that there's a, a way in which those people can still understand. This isn't some sort of exclusive club. This is the, the savior of the world coming to save his people. And that's the other thing is like Christ is the one who Who changes a heart whether it's three or 30 or 50 or 100 right uh we can i mean you hear stories all the time of people who like lived their lives for 90 years just in rebellion against the lord but um some sweet person at a church or some uh situation some some (laughs) whether it's a twist of fate uh providence whatever you want to say that that person trusts in the lord and um that's a beautiful thing. Whether they're 90 or nine or nine months, um, you know. Maybe, I mean, I know maybe nine months, maybe not, and a little bit more difficult because I don't know if nine nine month olds can talk. But anyway, now I'm just sort of going down this rabbit trail. What I'm trying to say is, um, it, it it does depend in some sense on on conversations that are had on the relational aspect uh, to the person who's made this profession. So that's that's where I'm at.
0: Yeah, I no that makes a lot of sense as well. Um, there's a lot I want to say that I think ties into some other directions that if we're gonna talk about it, should probably be in different episodes. So what I, I did, one more thing I do want to uh, sort of bring up is is this is something that I got from that book, Second Adam and the New Birth, that I that I thought was really interesting because I had never really noticed it before. But it's one of those things that once you see it like it's just sitting there in the text but it's just there's no, no nothing's drawing attention to it so it's easy to skip over but then when i saw it i was like wait why did i never i never noticed that before so i'm going to use ephesians as the as an example um but this isn't exclusive to ephesians this is this is any time that in, in paul's letters specifically that that he he has these like household codes husbands do this wives do this masters do this slaves do this parents do this children do this right so in 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 ephesians it's chapter 6 verses 1 through 3 children obey your parents in the lord for this is right honor your father and mother this is the first commandment with a promise so that it may be well with you and you may live long on the earth so why or 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 how could Paul be talking... So Paul says, husbands, love your wives in Ephesians 5. He says, wives, submit to your, to your husbands in Ephesians 5. He says, um, uh, parents... I forget what he says to parents. <laughs> and I also don't remember what he says well, to parents Well, he masters, says,
1: like, don't slaves. provoke your children to anger. Or maybe that's not this passage, but Paul says something the, like that. Like, don't, yeah. don't be a, a,
0: a tool of a dad. Right. Um, and the, the sort of the, you know... In Ephesians, particularly, this section is coming at the end of three chapters explaining Christ's, you know, creation of the church out of the two, you know, separated nations of, of, of Jews and Gentiles being brought together into one, which is His body, and then chapter all of chapter four, chapter five is is like how how do you live? Uh, out of that reality and and that's where we get this you know quote-unquote household code this this list of, of of relational duties that um are familial you know in the household in the ancient world the house was a lot bigger than you know there was no such thing as a nuclear family you know you had that's why you have masters and slaves and the you know slaves are part of the household and, and extended family and aunts and uncles and grandparents and all that kind of stuff but in that list of you know, he's writing to the Ephesian Christians and he's saying, you're a Christian, you know, husbands, you're Christians, love your wives, right? And, and you know, masters, you're Christians, uh, be, uh, again, I, I don't have the verse, but, you know, um, remember that you and your slaves both have a heavenly master, you know, whatever. Um, and he's writing to children, and in that group is children, obey your parents. So he's saying, in my reading, be wrong but in my reading christian husbands do this christian wives do this christian parents do this christian children do this and i guess the 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 question is or my original question is like how can paul be addressing children of the church or in a church and call them to a certain way of life on the basis that they are part of the household of god unless they actually are part of that household right like actually members of the church and i guess the question is like kind of with like with household baptisms in acts where it's like you know the philippian jailer and all of his household was baptized and it's like you know seems pretty you know what are the odds that every time a household is baptized there are zero children i don't know i mean it doesn't say either way so i'm not i'm not saying you can uh build your theology on either way on on just those verses at all, that's not what I'm saying. But I'm just saying it's, it's, it's one of those things here a sim, in a similar way where he's not saying, you know, like, children who are like this and this and this, right? He just says children. So he's, you know, I, I don't know if he had in mind a 10-year-old or a 5-year-old. I don't know if he had in mind, um, uh, you know, uh, anybody older than that. Like, I, I don't know what children meant to Paul and obviously, he would. I'm assuming he would have in mind children who were able to be sitting in the church hearing this letter read and understand the command, obey your parents, right? Because otherwise it wouldn't make sense. Um, but I'll go back to, you know, a two year old can understand somebody telling them to obey their parents. You know, whether or not they'll listen is a different story. But. Um, so my, my that that's my question is like does does this assume that he's speaking to the children who have who are a little bit a, a little bit older and have made, you know, an expression that they believe in the gospel and 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 therefore have been baptized uh it is is children a different category than husband wife uh master slave where he's not exclusively speaking to the christian children you know it, he's he's speaking to any child who's in the church building hearing it read or, or or whatever who who may or may not be uh you know quote unquote christian because they're they're too little to to have uh you know made that profession and made that step to bat you know um possible alternatives that that i'm i'm thinking about sort of on the fly here but but like i, I guess just more so than a specific question just like what do you, what do you think of that of 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 that observation mm-hmm. that like just like yeah. we have husbands and wives assuming that they're christians so also we have parents and children assuming that both parties are christians like like what what are some thoughts i guess well
1: i guess man this my my first thoughts are well first of all i i guess i I had never really thought of it in that sense that all of that was being addressed to believers in particular, obviously it's a church. It's probably being read at a church. So like, duh, like it's, it's Christian husbands, Christian wives, et cetera. Um, But I mean, would we assume that in 2000 years ago in the church, that everybody who's in the assembly is an actual Christian. And what I mean by that is if you were to go to church on Sunday in six days or whatever, would you assume that every single person there is a Christian who has made some sort of profession of faith uh, I I don't I don't know so like could, could there be people there who are hearing things who you know what I'm saying like there' there I, they're, I do know what
0: you're saying yeah. and I, I do have an answer okay which yeah. which might open doors to other future episodes as well okay. um, I would assume that everyone there who has been baptized is a Christian right okay. You know, so I, I don't assume that everyone in the building on Sunday is a Christian. But if every if someone came up to me and said, "Yeah, I, I you know I've, I'm a Christian, I've been baptized," that's good sure. enough for me, right? Yeah, for you sure. You know, so and I agree. I agree. So yeah. yeah. So the same a, would be true two thousand years ago. Like a, agreed. And but so, but honestly, in the in the first century, I don't know that you're going to have any visitors. Well, that's who, the other know, thing. It's like yeah,
1: <laughs> that's the other thing. Is like we're we're talking about two different eras, even of church history. So there's that difference in nuance, and so if this was being read today i mean to say children you know honor and obey your parents that that's something that almost just seems like a cliche at this point like any parent's going to say that like you should you know honor your parents that you should um on, you know honor your father and mother so that it will be well with you that you may live long on the earth i think that's probably like stitched on some grandma's pillow somewhere and grandma's definitely not a christian you know what i mean like um but but that doesn't it doesn't change the intended meaning of a passage like this it's its very possible that this is addressing uh, believing children who have been baptized who had been baptized since since infancy i i totally I, I i totally am like confident enough to to say that I, I i recognize that it's probably extremely likely that the people having read or maybe listened to uh this letter to the ephesians that they we're all Christians, all believers, all baptized, right? All the children as well, all their household. Um, what that looks like practically today, um, you know, we, I don't think we have time to, to plumb the depths of that. But as far as like, <clears throat> as far as how this relates to this conversation, I also don't think it's so unreasonable to think that let's just say that none of the people had been baptized as infants. That this could still be addressing children who have made that profession, who were baptized as professing believers, just like some adult who would have walked into a church, just like you know Paul or whoever. These people who were baptized later in their in their adulthood. So I don't I don't have a problem saying I don't have a problem thinking that that's what Paul is saying that the the children, those of you who have been baptized, do this. But I also think in some sense despite what the intent of what was written i think it does still have some universal application anyway not th- and, and that's going down a different rabbit hole but even like uh, husbands love your wives uh, children lo- honor your parents all that like those sort of things can be more universal than simply um two christians but but I, but again I, that's getting away from the point here, is that this this is Paul writing to a particular group of people for a particular purpose. So what was his intent here? Um, yeah, I don't know. I I, I I wish we had had... I mean, we could still talk about this. It could go a lot longer. But I, I kind of... I, I want to come back to this text we haven't talked about at some point where uh, 1 Corinthians seven fourteen for the unbelieving husband is made holy through his wife and the unbelieving wife is made holy through her husband... Otherwise, your children would be unclean, but as it is, they are holy. Perhaps we'll mm-hmm. do that as an episode coming up. Perhaps, hint, hint, in an interview crossover event of the century coming up, hint, hints very soon. Who knows? I, I think that might be a good one because I, I want to talk about that, but I think it, it requires its own episode. What does it mean that these people who are seemingly unbelievers are made holy? Because um, that is going to even color some of this conversation i don't know dude i feel like i've said a lot of things but i've also said nothing i feel like i've contributed very little no 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 no.
0: i i will wrap up because i i am there's so much more to be said there will always be so much more to be said but definitely today there's a lot more to be said that that would be great to dive into and we will dive into in different times and different places but i really appreciate like uh, you know this sounds really patronizing but like you being a good sport. I don't know how to say that in a way that doesn't sound disrespectful. Like you're a tool. <laughs> like, oh, thanks. Like, sport. I, thanks bud. <laughs> like I, I, in all seriousness, like I really appreciate having these conversations, Me you too. know, with, yeah. with, with, and, 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 uh, getting, you know, it's, it's, it's for all the problems that technology gives us. It's really cool to be able to like share this conversation with others and hopefully get to engage in conversation with some of you guys listening, whether through email or, um, social media, or, or whatever, or just maybe you'll have a conversation with one of your friends that because you heard us or whatever, and and that that's super exciting. But but I really appreciate the time and the effort and uh, the willingness that that you have. Not that I expected you not to, but I really appreciate uh, you know you doing that and and not being like, uh, you know, I don't really feel like putting effort into this. I'm just gonna like you know get offended every time somebody says something. You know, people are. People are crazy, so I'm People glad you're crazy. not crazy. Yeah, um, But to wrap up, I will uh, lead us in a prayer from the Valley of Vision. Mm. Um, and this one is titled, Sins. Merciful Lord, pardon all my sins of this day, week, year, all the sins of my life. Sins of early, middle, and advanced years. Of omission and commission. Of morose, peevish, and angry tempers. Of lip, life, and walk. Of hard-heartedness unbelief presumption pride of unfaithfulness to the souls of men of want of bold decision in the cause of Christ of deficiency and outspoken zeal for his glory of bringing dishonor upon thy great name of deception injustice untruthfulness in my dealings with others of impurity in thought word and deed of covetousness which is idolatry of substance unduly hoarded improvidently squandered not consecrated to the glory of thee, the great giver, sins in private and in the family, in study and recreation, in the busy haunts of men, in the study of thy word and in the neglect of it, in prayer irreverently offered and coldly withheld, in time misspent, in yielding to Satan's wiles, in opening my heart to his temptations, in being unwatchful when I know him nigh, in quenching the Holy Spirit, Sins against light and knowledge, against conscience and the restraints of thy spirit, against the law of eternal love. Pardon all my sins, known and unknown, felt and unfelt, confessed and not confessed, remembered or forgotten. Good Lord, hear and hearing forgive.
1: Amen. Amen. Shoot, man, that valley That's a place of vision, am I right? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, well, 200. In 200. the 200. Dude, that is incredible. I mean, it's we've probably technically recorded more than 200 because I don't know that everything's hit the airwaves, but this is number 200 to come beaming to your smartphones or your smart speakers or whatever the heck you use to listen to us. We just want to say thank you because, uh, I mean, Big we, we, thank you. we would do this regardless. We, w- we would talk about theology all day long because we used to without any mics when we lived together. <laughs> yeah. well, not lived together, but lived closer together. Um. And so we love doing it, and we love that there is some sort of community, that people have, have tuned in, that you guys come back week after week, and uh, that you've sort of put up with all of our, our evolution and our change and our, you know, going from one episode to two episodes a week and then back down to one episode a week, and you guys just keep coming and you send us emails and, and IM us, or IM, is that still a thing? Instant message? You, D, <laughs> you DM us on DM. Twitter um yeah (laughs) but yeah like we we just want to say thank you and we have some fun stuff coming up we have some some interviews we have some giveaways we have our two-year anniversary in just a couple of weeks we've been doing this for two years that's kind of cool that 200 and two years sort of coincide uh but that's incredible that we've been able to do this for 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 going on two years most podcasts don't last more than just a couple of weeks because It requires striving. It requires dedication. It requires (laughs) um, sometimes late nights, uh, difficult conversations, uh, planning, prep, uh, resources, all of that. So we just, again, want to say thank you. Thank you for listening to any episode of our podcast. Uh, if you want to connect with us, if you haven't already, find us on Twitter, find us on Instagram at doxologypodcast. Please send us your emails at, uh, at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love your feedback, questions, and episode ideas. At the end of the day, we just want to hear from you. We want we want to chat. We want to talk about theology. And we love when our little community can, can grow and uh, mature together as followers of Christ. So remember, yeah. all of you, be nice and also be nice scene because like it's faithful literally christianity (laughs) peace see ya